0: Hey, it's Jess Massa. Thanks for listening to this episode of WTF Health. All this talk about the future of health is brought to you in part by our sponsors, Transparent, OneDrop, Wheel, Pfizer, Vita Health, Utopia, 120 over 80 marketing, and Bayer G4A. And don't forget, if you want to check out the video version of this interview, head on over to my YouTube channel. That's at youtube.com slash WTFHealth. Hey, it's Jessica Demassa with WTF Health. What's the future health? I am talking to the who's who of health tech and healthcare innovation. And today we are going to check in on how the digital transformation is going in a health system. And here to give us the insider look on what's going on with telehealth, digital health, EMR, all that stuff, business model innovation, is the chief innovation and digital health officer for Michigan State University Healthcare. Please meet Roger Jansen. Roger, how are you?
1: Doing great, Jessica. Thanks for having me.
0: Oh, well, I am excited to talk to you because you and I got into a conversation and we started talking a lot of stuff about what was really going on in the world of innovation in the health system. And you've got some pretty blunt points of view. So I want to dig into this with you and and, and, and go piece by piece on, on, on what it is you think is really happening when it comes to that whole you know, virtual care and digital health world and how it's really being implemented on the ground in the health system. Before we do that though, why don't you tell us a little bit about Michigan State University Healthcare. How big are you guys? Like give us a sense of, of what we're talking about in terms of what kind of health system. Yeah, I mean, we're,
1: we're um, you know, we're a large integrated health system that uh, we have most specialties uh, under the sun. I think we have 700 and some physicians now and uh, about 3,000 clinicians. Um, we act as the medical director for a number of the communities in the state of Michigan, as well as for a number of, um, senior living facilities, acute care facilities, things of that nature. Um, and we are continuously trying to think about different ways to drive healthcare and make healthcare different because part of what we're tied to is our college of human medicine at Michigan state, where we have both an MD and a DO program who are always trying to think about what's next for our medical students.
0: All right. And I've got a full disclosure, folks. Go green. I'm a Spartan. so. So there we go. All right. So, Roger, let's like let's just go down the list here. I mean, I'm curious about let's start out on virtual care, telehealth. You know, I mean, it's like obviously, you know, in my world, I'm covering these startups that are, you know, implementing everything virtual, virtual care primary care, virtual care, you know, mental health care, the whole spread. And then others that are doing like straight infrastructure plays, providing telehealth to health systems so that you guys can provide your own care virtually. Give us like a a state of play on where things are at right now in terms of like how real is this whole idea of like omni channel care delivery? How much of that in-person virtual mix has kind of survived? post, like not post pandemic, but like pandemic ending, you know, it's like we saw the uptick when we had to, but it's like now that that things have settled down, are you guys really rebuilding workflows around an omni-channel strategy or what's going on?
1: Yeah, great question. I think there's the reality of what we can be and the reality of what we are. And I think that we're on a journey where uh, COVID obviously, everyone went through, let's, you know, do video chats, but You know, video chats and digital health, digital health really has to be more than just digitizing what we already do. It has to bring some value beyond just the experience you can have in the office or through another means. And where we are um, in Michigan State, where I think a lot of our peers are around the country, is that what we say we want to do and our ability to do it sometimes aren't exactly matching pace. And what I mean by that is um, when you begin to implement digital solutions It is a lot of work from an IT perspective, a cost perspective, an education perspective, an onboarding perspective. And so what I see um, is an incredible amount of potential in the world of digital health. That's going to be difficult to realize if each of these are just point solutions on their own. And so if I'm going to have a behavioral health solution that has to tie to a musculoskeletal that is around my COPD and my diabetes, and I've got to implement these all through my health system, there's only so much anyone can do. Um, Part of the reason I think health systems have thrived in many respects is because they are that a system, and they're not selling one-point solution. And so integrating that care model and trying to make sure that you can take care of people from birth to, you know, uh, passing – I think is something that we don't see in digital health right now. So the reality is I believe while we at Michigan state are implementing a number of different digital solutions, I'm also being told by our clinicians quite regularly, slow it down. Um, we can't onboard all this. We can't implement all of this. Um, it's difficult to educate our patients on it. And At the same time, what are those solutions that actually work and do what they claim they can do? And where's the research around that? So, I could talk, we could just talk about this one question. I'd go on, but I'll pause there before I get into I,
0: No, I want to ask a follow up question. So yeah. it's like, are, are there some things that you're hearing from the clinicians that are easier to implement and that they're like, okay, yeah? And then are there other things where they're like, listen, no. Like, I cannot do all of the different point solutions for the different thing with the multiple sign ons and expect to know how each one works and what's happening and then make sense of all that data when it's coming back to me in pieces. Like, what's, give us a yeah. read on that. Like, what's working, what's not?
1: hundred percent. So yes, there are. And, and let me tell you, so we've implemented remote patient monitoring and remote therapeutic monitoring. And part of that was uh, when we were sitting in the middle of the pandemic, we didn't want people to come in and people who are at risk and congestive heart failure, they have diabetes, whatever it might be. Before we knew really what this whole thing was going to look like, we had to do something remotely. And so we engaged remote patient monitoring, but what we were able to do is we worked with a company called Higgy, Um, And Higgy actually has a care management process wrapped around it. Mm. And so they were able to take and manage our patients and really become a part of our our, uh, care flow. And as a result, we didn't burden our clinicians with more work, but we allowed ourselves to monitor those who are at the greatest risk to manage their care better. And if something was off where it shouldn't be, a, a reading of some sort, it would ping. And Higgy was our first line of defense and then it would be transferred into our clinicians if we needed to go further. And I bring that up because what I think we found is the adoption and the receptivity of digital health when it's combined with the service component that doesn't add additional burden to the clinical component is where we've had success.
0: Okay. We've
1: tried to implement a few other digital health companies with less success. And part of that is they don't have a care management component to it. And they rely upon the clinician, the clinical team to do the work behind the scenes. I won't say who, but um, you know, one of these was a diabetes digital product, and it required the clinicians to get educated, to educate the patient, to give it to the patient, for our billing teams to understand how to bill for it, and for us to figure out are they actually using it or not. And so, I don't think digital health companies that are just handing their solution to us are going to probably get implemented as quickly or as re- with such great reception. And our RPM provider, Higgy, has actually been an absolute success for us because our patient scores have increased dramatically, our clinic, clinicians have felt that we've taken much better care of people, and the relationships we've built with the patient outside of the office are now extended. And so for us, those are the types of solutions that we're saying continue to grow and have a digital component that we haven't had prior to COVID.
0: On that care management, like, how can you can you elaborate a little bit on how you how are you defining care management? So, what does that service look like? Is it like they're handling the patient onboarding, the billing, like all of that stuff that typically you're just here, good luck, like implement our digital solution, but you figure out how? Like, is it that, or is there is there more to it?
1: Um, they're really um, we've actually uh, gone so far as to make them a part of our uh, clinical team in some respects. So okay really no differentiation between them and, and, and us. And they had to go through an accreditation process in that. But for us, what, what they're doing is they're really spending a lot of our time. Uh, we are prescribing the solutions. And then once those are prescribed, that is now sent over to that care management team. Okay. And they're monitoring, you know, whatever it may be, let's say it's blood pressure. And if that goes up or down within the range or out of the range that we determine for that unique patient, They'll be the first ones to reach out. If it needs to be escalated, they will then work with our nurse coordinators to actually coordinate a visit or whatever we need to do at that point. So there. Um, in most cases, um, we see that, um, for example, somebody may have an incredible amount of weight gain one day and we're wondering why that water retention is there. Um, we wouldn't otherwise know that, right? Yeah. And so with these technologies, we can actually take better care of people and intervene before something may go south too quickly without us knowing.
0: Okay. So RPM working out for you guys in that way. What about like telehealth? I mean, tell me about your telehealth program. Like how, how okay. is that? Like, where is it at today as opposed to like where it was? I mean, obviously uptick for COVID, but like, how are you looking at this? Because what I keep hearing is it's like, like, the, like I said, that word omnichannel, but it's like, is that really how things are operating like on the ground today at a place like Michigan State Healthcare?
1: Yeah, this is a behavioral change issue in many respects. Yeah. Right? Um, because now that COVID's over, one of the first things when people are trying to make appointments is we're actually scheduling them in the office, um, and we have to start saying, would you like a virtual appointment instead? That's It's simple as that, but you know, I can tell you a uh, personal example. I would schedule for an appointment. They said they could get me in August 20-something, and I said, well, what's the first virtual appointment? They all said, we can do that tomorrow, right? And so some of this is... Well, we need to make sure that we can actually educate people from a behavioral perspective that's still desired and wanted, but there's this default mindset that everybody wants to come in in person. And, And so I still think, you know, just because it's available, and just because we've done it before, we are creatures of habit, and it takes a long time to form really new habits and frankly. How many people really visited the doctor during COVID? We may go once a year, we may go once every 20 months or something. So changing that based upon a one-two interaction time frame isn't easy to do. And and so, as as I like to say, you know, even though we have the capabilities, I don't know if we have the mindset for all this quite yet. So, how are we doing? We've seen a tremendous dip in the amount of online visits that we've had, about 70%. Wow. Uh, and I think that it would be even deeper and more steep than that if it weren't for it we're just backed up right and so we're trying to offer people more um so we're trying to make a a new effort to put that in place in a real focus for us uh jessica is to move into the rural communities where them traveling and you're from the Midwest originally, um, beautiful Scottsdale now that doesn't have this issue, but icy roads, dark, early, cold, you don't want people to go out. Mm-hmm. So the more that we can begin to move people to, we can take care of you differently. And we're working with a company now called Recovery One on musculoskeletal issues. Um, you know, We would love to be able to have those people not travel 30, 40, 50 miles to go to a PT, but be able to do it online and, and work with us on that. So It's going to take a concerted effort, but we are putting that energy in because we think ultimately there's some populations where popping in your car and driving down the street five, 10 minutes is no big deal. But Michigan State's really focused on the state of health for the entire state of Michigan. Yeah. And so our energy is to put something into, you know, how do we take care of everyone, uh, even in a remote basis, not in a physical basis. So digital is critical.
0: When you're looking ahead on this, you know, are you, are, you know, some of the the, um, the COVID policies that have been put in place that, you know, reimburse at parity, are you, are you looking at the business model behind this as well in terms of your digital strategy moving forward? And how's that playing out in your head?
1: 100%. I mean, just last week, I think it was CMS released new codes on RPM and RTM. And so we've got to pay constant attention to that. Um, but, you know, there's this, there's all this kind of gibberish, in my opinion, about volume versus value based payments, right? And You've got all these health systems saying we're doing all this value-based stuff, but the reality is they're not. Um, I think it's good sound bites, but the reality is they get paid on a fee-for-service model, and most physician comp is based on a fee-for-service model. So every time I hear somebody say we're really trying to do more value-based care, it might be 2% of their total revenue that's actually at risk of some sort, and I don't really know if that's risk at all. Um, and so the business model, in my opinion, needs to start with others. It can't start with the health systems. We need to have those paying for it, which I think is the U.S. employer and the consumer, and in some cases the provide the payers. Although, you know, there, there's reasons that they're kind of locked in with the pay or with the providers that I think is unhealthy for the country. Um, we need them to really force the change, and they need to be saying. You know, um, we want to try a lower cost alternative first, and we want virtual to be that. Um, we want to scale first, and virtual needs to be that. It's also really, really important for the digital health entrepreneurs out there to realize we're hit every single day with calls from the greatest solutions in the world. They're going to change our patient experience. And I get called, I mean, I was telling you just before I got on here, I got a call from Utah and a company out there that has a great digital health solution. They're one of 50,000 that we receive. So what's gonna make a difference is I do believe there's gonna have to be some integration and there's going to have to be consolidation in this digital health space for it to work. Um, I just don't think there's gonna, there's too many point solutions out there for there there to be enough volume that any digital, one digital health company receives to become the market leader in many cases.
0: Are you looking, I mean, it's so interesting because it's like there was that Wall Street Journal article that pointed out how tired employers are of digital health point solutions. And so it's interesting to hear. also at the health system side, chief digital and innovation officer, not happy with all the point solutions either. Now, so are you looking for like a major player to come in and shake up this space? Like, I mean, because this is one of those things too. It's like, you know, it's like you've got to have, there's all these little startup companies and some of them are incredibly well-funded now, but you know, they're not building the same type of enterprise systems that like an Oracle slash Cerner is building or like an Amazon is could right. potentially build or Apple or Google and all these things. Right. So it's like when you guys are looking at, you know, th- that solution to, you know, to serve them all or like if you're you're hoping in your head, you know, like what's going to come down here and really unite all of this stuff? Does it have to be a big player, you think, or could it be a, a company that just scales up and just is able to kind of, you know, build that cohesive experience?
1: Uh you know, my guess is that it's not going to be one of the big players because if they wanted to, I think they may already have done it. It's not rocket science in some respects, what I think could be done to consolidate some of this. I don't think the EMR companies are motivated to do this. Um, you know, you might, uh, with Oracle acquiring Cerner, and I think kind of visionary that David Feinberg is, there may be something there that we'll all be surprised about. I, I hold out some hope for for that. Uh, I think David's an incredible leader and visionary in healthcare. and probably there's going to be change. He's the guy who might bring it. That being said, you know, a lot of times EMRs are really just ways for us to increase our billing codes. And they've been treated as a panacea for a lot of things when really um, they're not. And they often are a barrier to implementing digital solutions because you'll often hear, well, we're building that too, or it's on our roadmap, or if it doesn't work with us, then we can't implement it And they don't make it easy to integrate sometimes their, uh, you know, other solutions into their solution. So, you know, I think companies like Zelf that have been able to latch onto the EMRs and become kind of a prescription for some of the digital technologies are a good beginning. But I don't think we're at a spot where we can say, I know who's going to be, I certainly don't know who's going to win this game or how it's going to be answered. But I do know the game's going to be lost if we continue down the same path we're on right now. And investors are going to look back and say, my God, we thought we had the best you name it solution, but 50 other investors thought that of the other 50 companies in that exact same space. And there's only so many, you know, cars that can be built um, that you say there's brands in the market, which one do I go with? And I think we're getting there with healthcare digital really quickly.
0: Okay. I'm curious about, you know, on this EMR point, you know, I've, I feel like the last couple of years I've been seeing a lot of, you've been seeing a lot of, like, medical group type businesses, primary care ones, build their own EMR. We, we were talking, you know, before we started rolling about One Medical on Amazon and how, you know, One Medical's got their own, you know, emr light no. kind of thing that they've no. built. And there's a lot of companies that are operating their own infrastructure in that way and then there's another host of companies that are that exist you can see them if you walk the trade show floor at hymns that that work to fit on top of the existing big three players you yeah. know to make them work with each other or actually make them useful with other things and so i'm, I'm curious about where you think this emr world is headed you know i mean like do, does it does does the emr continue to be like the be all end all in terms of the way that that workflows and and Workflows and money is made, and like the hospital runs, or does does that just continue does that start to take the place of really what it was always just a record of what was going on with the patient, and that other stuff start to exist outside of it like where do you think this is headed
1: yeah. Well, look, I love the Amazon one medical move. I think there's a lot of really great things that can come of that because you talk about ubiquity, and Amazon is everywhere all the time. Um, I think they're dropping stuff up at my house you know every day, so There's this trusted brand, there's this trusted experience, and I think if they can begin to figure out how to do this with with healthcare and One Medical's reach and One Medical's EMR, there's some chance. But let's go back to how healthcare makes money, right? Healthcare makes money off of a sick population. Um, If healthcare really wanted to make people healthier, they would take their money and they would put fresh foods into communities that are impoverished. They would invest in putting a billion dollars towards mental health in their communities to ensure more access. They would include housing and education as a part of their mission. But we don't do that. We put up orthopedics hospitals and cancer centers so we can respond to your illness. And mental health is an afterthought, if a thought at all, right? And so I think that the EMR is enabling the existing business model to continue to thrive. I don't see the EMR being a transformative tool for a business model that basically they're all making too much money off of the way it currently works, um, if I continue to hear how difficult it is for hospitals to make money, um, I would like them to see what it's like to operate a real business. Um, you know they they have overstaffed um, they're overpaying um, they are not responsible for quality and or outcomes. There are no guarantees on their services. they have certificate of needs where they can block competition from entering their markets they can buy up market share. Um, So that's not a real business that I think we really need to get to a point where if we want significant change in the entrepreneurs of this world to do what they've done in every other industry, we got to open it up for them to thrive. And right now, the EMRs are not allowing a lot of these things to thrive and the current business model and the way that we compensate healthcare administration and others is going to block that entrepreneurial spirit. There's no incentive for change when you're making millions and millions and millions, if not billions of dollars on the way the current model works.
0: I mean, amen. Like, seriously, I can't believe I'm like, I'm like, I'm so proud of you for saying that. That's amazing. I want to know, though, do you think like, I mean, does the business model have a chance to change? Like, how does that even begin to happen? I mean, because it's like, we're in this weird hybrid, right? Where it's like, we're, we're a capitalistic society, but it's like, ah, and then we've got some government, you know, paid health care that, you know, it's it's set and then everything flows from there. I mean, so what do you think? Like, you're an innovation guy. What's the innovative business model on this? How does this even begin to happen?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's two things that jump out to me is one, this is a huge freaking task, right? So um, you've got to shoot some sacred cows and we've got to be willing to call out the reality that much of healthcare is not delivering on their promise of keeping people healthy. Um, If that were the case, we should see less healthcare growth than more healthcare growth. Um, We should not see hospitals putting up new buildings. We should see them taking them down. We should not see more facilities going up. We should see less. And the reality is that we don't want more health care. We want more health. And we have to start thinking of these health care systems as medical systems, not health systems. Um, They are medical systems where human beings are going to need medical attention. But we also need health systems, systems that realize that, hey, if we continue to eat the way we do and live the lifestyles that we do. Then we're always going to be really busy because that's a medical business. A health business would be into the game of prevention and into the ability of keeping people, you know, empowered and well and focused. And we don't care about that. Those are not things that the US cares about. Those are not things that hospitals care about. So as I look at where we're going as how do you change it, I think this starts with the US employer. The US employer is footing the bill for the lavish lifestyle that healthcare administrators live that are probably well out of balance for the value that they actually bring to their corporations. And yet they don't feel like they have any place to turn. So I believe you're going to have to start getting into the employer saying, wait a minute, I got to cut my costs and deliver higher quality and better experience. But you don't have to, you can just raise it because you're the only game in town um, so I think, Jessica, if we're going to get change. I don't have a lot of faith the government can do it because I think the government in the United States right now is absolute chaos. And, you know, we don't even have a Democratic or Republican Party any longer. We have ideologies that are extreme. Uh, so I think it's going to take businesses that have long been the answer to America's. The business problem now healthcare is a fundamental business problem it costs too much we're paying too much we can't increase people's salaries we can't invest in r&d because my number 2 line item is my healthcare benefits cost yep. so i think if we get changed let's start with the us employer where all the great things of this country tend to come from
0: I love that. All right. You got them fired up. So last thing for you, Roger, like fire up these entrepreneurs who watch me. Like, let's talk yeah. to the health tech guys. I mean, tell, yeah. tell me, like, I mean, what would you say to them? I mean, as far as like, I mean, where you're sitting, I mean, obviously, very blunt conversation that we're having here about like yeah. you know, the business model, technology, how all of this moves forward. So it's like, what's your best, what's your best advice or what, you, what do you want to say to the health tech entrepreneurs who are out there?
1: Collaborate. Um, I need you to collaborate. I I can't look at your one-off solution. Find your next diagnostic category that is most related to what you're trying to fix and find a way to work with others. Um, And if I have to implement all of you one-off, we're not going to use any of you. And and so I think part of the issue that I have is um, the people are developing really interesting solutions that are focused on a disease state they may not realize all the work that goes into treating that disease state. And they think, the do- total, like, let's take diabetes. You know, the total addressable market is this. Yeah, so what, right? <laughs> that, that's like saying sleep. Everybody sleeps. Let's do something sleep. Um, the reality is to get us to implement, to get us to review, to get us to code, to get us to educate, to get us to follow with the patients, get the patients educated. Every one of those solutions takes as much time. So how can I implement all of these? And the reality is I can't. Mm-hmm. So if I want an entrepreneur to be successful, you better give us a call that isn't about, hey, I got your next great thing on COPD. Um, that's awesome. But guess what? I need a bigger set of solutions that I can offer up that is a one-stop shop for healthcare. And you know I've shared this with a number of people, and I think there's some entrepreneurs who are starting to work on some of these things, but- um, you know, I'm glad they're doing it. I'd also say you can't build a Porsche by just building the steering wheel. Um, <laughs> right? you, yeah.
0: you, need have, you need to
1: have the engine. You need to have it all there, and that's how it all works together to create that experience and to create that seamless understanding of that patient in a way that you know digital can add unique value that I can't get if I'm just seeing them in the office. And nobody is thinking about that unique value outside of that, and I think we're just digitizing a bunch of stuff we can already do in person. That's not that great. Um, so it needs to do something I can't do uh, and it needs to add unique value that I can say this is worth the effort for me to implement.
0: Oh, Roger, this was a fantastic chat. Thank you so much like it's refreshing yeah. to hear like just so. I mean, it's such thoughtful remarks about what's really going on, like how things are playing out. And I appreciate your candor tremendously. And I'm sure that my audience does, too. So thank you so much for for being bold and saying a lot of really, really you know, what everybody's thinking, but afraid to usually say. So thank you. I appreciate that.
1: Yeah. And I'm glad to do it. I think health is something that there isn't a right. There isn't a left. There isn't a Republican. There's not a Democrat. It's an investment in all of us, and if we continue to invest so much money wastefully into healthcare, we can't invest it into education, we can't invest it into retirement, we can't invest it into infrastructure, and so this is a U.S. business problem, and we need to start stepping up and holding leaders, politicians, healthcare administrators accountable for the incredible amount of waste that they've created in a way that no other industry can create and get away with it.
0: Let's do it. I'm there. (laughs) Is that Uh, Spartan's will, right? (laughs) yeah,
1: yeah, Yeah, sounds great.
0: That's good. Awesome. Well, thank you again for your time, Roger. And also, again, thank you again for the authenticity and like the real candid and bold look at what's going on in uh, in a health system like Michigan State Healthcare. I appreciate it. Right. I'm Jessica Damasa. We'll talk to you soon. We're going to have to catch up with you again. Um, and for more interviews with the who's who of health tech as they are changing the way that we do healthcare, you can find more interviews with folks like Roger and all those entrepreneurs that we're talking about on my YouTube channel. It's youtube.com slash WTF Health. I'll talk to you really soon, Roger. And to you guys, we'll
1: see you soon. Bye. Hey, it's Jess. If you're looking for more news on what's going on in health tech,
0: I've got another show airing on this channel called Health Tech Deals. In this one, famous healthcare curmudgeon Matthew Holt joins me twice a week to weigh in on the biggest funding deals, M&A activity,
1: and exits in health tech. Just look for episodes labeled Health Tech Deals.